It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, January 23rd, and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up, the California report takes us to Monterey Park, the scene of this past weekend's mass shooting. In national native news, the uphill battle to end appropriation in the NFL. Then we have your local news and weather forecast. And KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza stops by to report back on what he discovered after speaking to the Nevada County Sheriff's Office Public Information Officer about the death of Amy Wayne Morris while in custody at the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility. Then KVMR's Felton Pruitt fills us in on the best of the best of Nevada City with the latest Chamber Report. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting from Monterey Park, the scene of this past weekend's mass shooting. Here's what we know so far. Ten people, five men and five women are dead after a 72-year-old man opened fire at a dance studio here late Saturday night. Another ten people were injured, with some still receiving treatment at local hospitals. On Sunday, the suspect died from a self-inflicted gunshot in the city of Torrance, which is about 30 miles away from Monterey Park. Here's Los Angeles County Sheriff Robert Luna speaking at a news conference last night. The investigation is still ongoing. Sheriff's homicide detectives are working around the clock, gathering additional information and working on determining the motive behind this extremely tragic event. Monterey Park Mayor Henry Lowe says the massacre has affected everyone in this community. Our priority is to make sure that those victims, their family members are given the assistance they need to heal and to get over this trauma. And as a community, it's also the moment in which we will need to move forward in the long process of healing as a community so that we can together overcome this tragedy. A resource center has been opened at a senior citizen center in Monterey Park to help survivors and family and friends of victims. A candlelight vigil is planned for this evening at City Hall. Monterey Park is just east of downtown Los Angeles in the San Gabriel Valley. This suburban community has long been a center of Asian American life and is home to many immigrants from China, Taiwan and other Asian countries who've turned Monterey Park into a thriving commercial and cultural center. According to the latest census figures, about 65 percent of the city's population is Asian. After the shooting in Monterey Park, the suspected gunman entered another dance hall in the neighboring city of Alhambra. That's where he encountered two community members. Here's Sheriff Robert Luna. Uh, and he walked in there uh, with a firearm, and some individuals wrestled the firearm away from him. And uh, that individual uh, took off. Luna described the two community members as heroes. One of them, Brandon Shea, spoke to Good Morning America this morning. My first thoughts was, I was going to die here. This was it. Here's Shea describing what happened when he encountered the gunman. Something came over me. I, I realized I needed to get the weapon away from him. I needed to take this weapon, disarm him, or else everybody would have died. Um, so when, when I got the courage, I, I lunged at him with both my hands, grabbed the weapon, and we had a struggle. We struggled into the lobby, trying to get this gun away from each other. He was hitting me across the face, bashing the back of my head. 
I, I was trying to use my elbows to separate the gun away from him, creating some distance. Finally, at one point, I was able to pull the gun away from him, shove him aside, create some distance, point the gun at him, intimidate him, shot him and say, get the hell out of here. I'll shoot. Get away. Go. Shea said the night was winding down at the time of the encounter. He and his family own and operate the dance hall and studio. One Monterey Park resident who goes by the name of Machu says the Star Ballroom dance studio where the shooting occurred was a gathering place for older Asian Americans. My grandparents were involved in it. It was a Chinese and Japanese community that danced here. a lot of ballroom dancing. So it wasn't like, like I, I think people are imagining like, Part, like a nightclub, but it's not a nightclub. It's it's like a ballroom dance class. More like a community center. Yeah, more like a community center. And they were just throwing like a small party for the Lunar New Year. And, you know, it, I, it's, I don't even know how something like this could happen. It's a place of, that's majority elderly, like elderly ballroom dancers. As mentioned, the shooting happened as Monterey Park was celebrating the arrival of the Lunar New Year, one of the largest such celebrations in the country. But after the shooting, public celebrations were canceled. Vendors who had set up kiosks on the streets were told they had to leave. I met tea vendor Thomas Liu as he was packing up. Uh, well, we're packing up because they canceled the event. Yeah, we're just packing up to leave early. So what were you planning to do today? Well, we were planning to be out here to, um, you know, sell our products and, you know, just be out here to celebrate Lunar New Year Festival with, you know, all the people around here. Um, but it's, it's just shocking how, it, like, it hits so close to home to have a mass shooting, like, in our neighborhood. Um, never heard of, you know, any type of shooting in the San Gabriel Valley before, so, like that. And this was going to be a day of celebration and I assume a lot of sales for you? And Definitely. I, it's, it's definitely a, a day of celebration. Um, you know, it's a day that a lot, a lot of Asians and Asian Americans hold so dearly to them. And for something like that to, you know, like come in our, in our backyard, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a shock, you know, like it's, it's like something cultural to us. The Monterey Park shooting reminds us about just how seemingly random incidents of mass violence can be. That can leave many feeling scared and vulnerable. KPCC's Robert Garova spoke with mental health experts about how to cope. Licensed marriage and family therapist Jeannie Chang says the news of the deadly shooting is hitting Asian Americans like her during what should be a time of celebration. She says communication among loved ones is very important right now. Oh my God, how do we even celebrate Lunar New Year? You know, and I think a lot of folks today who had brunch celebrations, I'm talking to friends and checking up on each other, hey, saying, hey, it's okay if you still need to go to brunch. And I'm saying that as a therapist because Part of what helps in navigating something very difficult is being with others. Experts also recommend taking breaks from news coverage and getting in some physical exercise to work off excess anxiety. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. Robert has a list of resources for the AAPI community or anyone else seeking mental health help at laist.com. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com.
And that's the California Report for Monday, January 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Monterey Park. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day. Explaining to a group of hyped-up NFL fans that their team's mascot is appropriation is a struggle on a good day. Trying to have a conversation as they're walking into a stadium to watch a playoff game? Brutal. Coming up, National Native News takes us to the front line of this uphill battle. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A Northeast Nebraska farming operation is starting the new year with an even bigger commitment to conservation, and they're hoping other farms take note. Deborah Van Fleet reports. Cover cropping and organic farming are already practiced by the Winnebago Tribe's Ho-Chunk Farms, and through the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service EQUIP program, they'll be adding more conservation practices this year. Farm Senior Manager Aaron LaPointe says they've enrolled all 3,500 of their irrigated acres into a technology-driven water conservation program known as the Water Smart Initiative. There's lots of equipment that will inform you on your groundwater levels, which alerts you when to irrigate at the optimal time using the least amount of water. And also, if you're overwatering, that brings more of an issue when you start talking about leaching of different pesticides and herbicides and getting things into our groundwater. The NRCS shares the upfront costs of water meters, soil moisture probes, weather stations, and inspecting irrigation pumps to be sure they're functioning properly. LaPointe says they're confident this will be a good long-term investment, both for water and soil health. LaPointe explains they've also enrolled all their irrigated acres into another NRCS program to monitor their herbicide and pesticide use. It allows you to efficiently use a certain amount of chemical that you need to kill weeds without overdoing it because any excess that you spray could eventually end up in groundwater or causing other issues and other things. Ho-Chunk Farms is part of the Winnebago Tribe's Economic Development Corporation. It will plant nearly 7,000 acres this year. 1,000 will be cover crops, and another 1,000 will have organically certified crops. LaPointe says they hope their successes will encourage other farmers to take a look at what the NRCS offers. We personally might sit here and say, well, is our 3,500 acres really making a difference? But if you start inspiring more people to do it, now you're starting to make some real change. And if there's somebody that's going to kind of set the trend and inspire people to maybe move in that direction, I think it should be us. I'm Deborah Van Fleet. Filmmakers of Imagining the Indian, the fight against Native American mascotting, joined demonstrators Saturday at the Kansas City football team's playoff game to advocate for the team to change its name and end the appropriation of Native culture. Producer Yancey Burns says the experience showed him the importance of educating the public about the fight against Native American mascots. He says he witnessed people who came by the protest who may be open to dialogue, but says there was also a different side. There's are folks who maybe don't understand the issue, but are just not happy and are just willing to be awful. And then further along on that spectrum are folks who just really have malice in their heart. And it, it's, it's incredible that so many folks who, I think the ones who have malice in their heart probably understand less than the ones who are just on the other side of the spectrum who just don't understand anything because there's no reason to have malice, especially towards the folks who are protesting. It was a peaceful, nonviolent protest. All, all the protesters for not in our honor are asking for is to think about the issue, to, to change the name, to stop the chop. And there's no reason that the folks they're encountering should 
should bring you know violence towards them, and that's what they're doing, and it, it was incredible to see. The documentary examines the movement to end the use of Native American names, logos, and mascots in the world of sports and beyond. It was screened in Kansas City last week. The group Not In Our Honor hosts demonstrations during the NFL season outside the Kansas City football team's home games. The Kansas City football team has stated the team is continuing dialogue with the Native community to identify ways to educate and raise awareness of Native Americans. Native American NASA astronaut Nicole Mann took part in the first spacewalk of 2023 on Friday alongside a Japanese astronaut. They spent more than seven hours working outside the International Space Station. Mann is the first Native American woman to go to space. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. A historical master trauma class taught by Dr. Ruby Gibson and staff provides tuition-free online training to tribal members who are therapists, counselors, social workers, and traditional healers. Enrollment deadline is March 24, 2023 at freedomlodge.org who support this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at your local news. According to Ubinet, just after 2 p.m., Sierra and Plumas counties along Highway 49 and Highway 89 near Gold Lake experienced a power outage affecting over 900 residents. A crew has been assigned to the power outage with the estimated time of restoration at 8.45 p.m. Last week, the KVMR News Desk reported on the death of Amy Wayne Morris while in custody at the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility in Nevada City. At that time, not much information was released about her death, and the sheriff's office said the official cause of death is pending a coroner's investigation and autopsy results. Since then, silence concerning Amy Wayne Morris from any official sources. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza reached out to the Nevada County Sheriff's Office for any updates. There, he connected with Leslie Williams, who's serving as their interim public information officer. But before we get into any new information, let's rewind and walk through what we know so far. On Sunday, January 15th, Truckee resident Amy Wayne Morris was arrested by the Truckee Police Department on suspicion of domestic violence. Sheriff's officials say Morris was booked at the Truckee Jail around 8.30 p.m. The following day, Monday, January 16th, she was transferred to the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility in Nevada City. On Tuesday, January 17th, Morris was found unresponsive in her jail cell around 9.20 a.m. Officials say correctional staff and jail nurses immediately attended to Morris before medics arrived. She was then taken by ambulance to Sierra Memorial Hospital in Grass Valley, where she was pronounced dead about an hour later. Wednesday, January 18th, the Nevada County Sheriff's Office issued a news release alerting the public to the death of Amy Wayne Morris. These details were all part of the initial Nevada County Sheriff's Office news release. And this brings us to our current understanding. 
The KVMR News Desk wanted to follow up on any developments as we approach the week mark of the initial announcement. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza joins me now. Claudio, thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, happy to. The first question I think everyone's asking, are the autopsy results in? No. The autopsy results are still pending. Um, I spoke with NCSO Public Information Officer Leslie Williams this afternoon, and she told me that basically they're waiting for toxicology reports. She said that it could take anywhere from four to eight weeks, and that's depending on the backlog at the uh, forensic pharmacy that they contract with, which is in Placer County. And they'll publicly announce when they get the toxicology reports back? Yes, they will update their press release. Got it. Was Amy Wayne Morris in a special cell of any kind? Sort of. She was in a solo cell, but not for any reason other than that's still the jail's policy. Um, They still are under COVID-19 policies, which require them to isolate new inmates in order to not, if there is a sick inmate, in order not to bring COVID-19 into the facility. So she was in a single cell, a solo cell, and the plan was to keep her there for 14 days, just like they would any new inmate. And are there any cameras in those cells? I don't know. I did ask Ms. Williams, but she wasn't able to answer that. Um, I think it's worth noting that the sheriff's office custody policy does state in writing that safety checks are supposed to be done at least every 60 minutes and at a random schedule. So I don't know if there are cameras in the cells. I don't know if they did do the safety checks every 60 minutes, but there is policy in place. Is there any time she was in custody that's unaccounted for? I don't know. Again, that was a question that I did ask, but unfortunately I wasn't able to get that answer. And did Ms. Morris say there's any way of checking that? She said she'd get back to me. Will you be following up with the sheriff's office? Yes, that is my plan. I'll be keeping an eye on it. Um, And again, as soon as they have information, they're going to put that press release out. And then hopefully we'll get some information as well. All right. Great. Thanks for the information. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Turning our attention to your local weather forecast from the National Weather Service, for those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 35 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 57. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 14 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 39. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, patchy fog after 5 a.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 34 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 57. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The Best of the Best, Nevada City Edition, rolls into the Miner's Foundry next month with the Installation and Nevada City Awards. Up ahead, KVMR's Felton Pruitt gets the details on who won what in the latest Nevada City Chamber report. We're talking with Stuart Baker. He's the Executive Director of the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. Stuart, let us know what's going on in the beautiful city of Nevada City. Thank you, Felton. We're looking to some Really fun events in the next month. Um, First of all, our installation and uh, Nevada City Awards dinner is going to be at the Miners Foundry on Saturday, February 4th, starting at 530. 
Um, there's still some tickets available, and they can be purchased on our website at nevadacitychamber.com. We have some great winners this year, some folks that have done a lot to keep Nevada City strong and vibrant. I'll go through those uh, folks real, real quickly. Um, the first person is David Parker, who's getting the Elsa Kilroy Award for his um, community service work and uh, for his just sparkling presence on so many of the events that we have, uh, especially uh, related to our other big event coming up, which is Mardi Gras. We also have Neil Locke for his work with the Dave Irons Lifetime Achievement Award. And Miss Moth, Amanda Ashley, is going to be receiving the Dr. Leland and Sally Lewis Visual Arts Award. And we also have the new build on 416 Broad Street, the Stan Hall's Architectural Award, is going to Richard Baker for his work getting that project rebuilt so quickly and so beautifully after the fire. For the Live Music Award, we have Pharaoh and the Peach Leaves, and they'll also be playing at the event, which will be really special. Um, business of the Year is Three Forks. The new Business of the Year is Communal Cafe. And the Community Service Award, which is our second year doing this award, is to the Holy Trinity Episcopal Church, and they have a Feed the Hungry program that's been really successful that we would like to honor. And the new construction, of course, the, the fabulous Cashins Field that's going to be opening up in mid-March. And lastly, the business person of the year is Joe Griggs. So if you're interested in, in going out and celebrating uh, these folks' achievements, you can do that. And uh, you can get your tickets, like we said, on our website. And it's for February 4th at the Miners Foundry. And then our next event after that, is Mardi Gras, and that's going to be happening on President's Day weekend alongside the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. A lot of folks may have realized this last weekend is when the film festival usually happens, and they decided to permanently move it to President's Day weekend. And so that event will be happening this year alongside Mardi Gras. And for those folks that have missed it for the last few years, Next year, we'll be having the Chinese New Year celebration, and that's going to be starting up. And so that's something further down to look forward to. Well, a lot of good stuff coming to our town, Stuart. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, celebrating uh, Mardi Gras last year. was such a beautiful day, and uh, fingers crossed we'll have another one like that. That was just really something spectacular. And as I remember from last year, too, we had the Earls of Newtown up on the balcony playing during Mardi Gras, and uh, we're planning to do that once again. We are. We're going to welcome them back. That really added a, a fabulous touch of New Orleans to the uh, scene, and so they'll, they'll be coming back. It's going to be a lot of fun, and of course, the Mardi Gras Day Parade, always a wonderful event here. And it's nice that you're giving uh, David Parker the award, too, Sparky. He's our buddy yes. from the famous Marching President, so uh, yes, a exactly. fixture, a fixture in yeah, downtown. An absolute fixture in town and someone that, that we were really excited, and it was a unanimous choice this year to give him the Elsa Kilroy Award. Well, that's great. We've been talking with Stuart Baker. He's the executive director of the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. Thanks, Stuart. Hey, thank you, Felton. Mm-hmm. 
That's our newscast for Monday, January 23rd, 2023. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Simply Country, family-owned feed and farm stores since 1964, now carrying e-bikes, tractors, trailers, also farm animals and pet foods, including Fromm's brand dog food. In Grass Valley and Penn Valley, simplycountry.net. And MEC Builds, Nevada County roofing contractor with over 20 years of experience, providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley. MECBuilds.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.